0: Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. My name is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age,
1: and I'm speaking to you from Southern California. Hi, and I'm Stephen G. Fullwood, co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from Harlem.
2: Cool. And I'm Seth Rodney. I'm coming to you from the South Bronx, and I am an associate editor at the arts blog Hyperallergic.
0: And this is to remind our listeners that we like to practice a form of what we call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, We are continuing our conversation about Michael Jackson. Um, Last uh, episode we got uh, into some more specifics about the most recent documentary, Dan Reed's documentary Leaving Neverland. Um, And we had, uh, Seth actually I think was going to lead us off with an anecdote in in this episode. Um, And we were going to maybe sort of steer the conversation towards discussions of innocence and sexuality around childhood. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. So I'd mentioned when we first started this portion of the podcast talking about Michael Jackson, how I had been molested when I was a child. I think that 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 took place around the time I was five. So my Mm -hmm. recollections of it are very, very hazy. Mm -hmm. But when I was 16 and here, I have to try to quickly ab- abbreviate the circumstances of, that led me to the rest of the anecdote. Basically, I didn't have anything to do with myself for the summer. I had graduated high school back in May. wasn't sure what I was going to do in the fall. My My parents were insisting that I go on to college. I didn't think I was ready, but Actually, I think, I think I think at that point I had already been ex- accepted to Penn State. So um was sort of hanging around, not really knowing what to do with myself in the Bronx. A 16-year-old who really just did not know himself yet and did not know what he wanted, mm-hmm. uh, ended up going back to an old school that I, I think the school I first attended when I came to New York from Jamaica, Regent School, which I think may still exist in the the Bronx, not too far from Mm -hmm. the house where I grew up. And I asked them for a job because I figured uh, – well, I think probably I was spurred on by my parents, probably my father, to Mm -hmm. earn some money while I was waiting to get to Mm -hmm. school in the fall. Uh, They gave me a job basically – taking care of the kids, sort of. I mean, I wasn't an official sort of counselor. I think they had a summer camp going. But -hmm. I was someone who was like a gopher. Like, i clean up stuff, I'd um, be an extra chaperone when they needed one, Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing, light office work. I don't Mm -hmm. really remember, actually, what I did. I just kind of remember showing up at, like, 10 in the morning and then leaving around 3 or 4 and... (laughs) Yeah, a lot of those days went by quickly. Anyway, one point, the principal, I forget his name. I can remember his name. I saved my life. offered to give me a ride home, and I was like, okay, sure. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was only, literally, it was walking distance. It was like 20 minutes, but I was like, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. So he gave me a ride home, and he said, remember, he pulled in, not exactly in front of my house, which is a two-story building with uh, aluminum siding and a small yard in front. Uh, and at one point, at least, a picket fence. Um, but some a, l- a little ways away. And he was we were talking about stuff, and he was telling me about his life before, that he'd worked at Neiman Marcus and blah, 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 and new sales and clothing and all that. And I was kind of impressed. And basically did this uh, – he moved the conversation in the direction of, and I don't remember how he got here, but at some point he says, "So would it be okay? I would like to suck your dick," and I was like, uh, "No, that's really not okay. Uh, mm-hmm. No, no thanks." And I remember getting out of the car and thinking, "Ooh, I dodged a bullet on that." Mm-hmm. And, when I, and I, but <laughs> oh but God. what, but what freaked me out was that later. I was having a conversation with my parents, and I don't remember what it is. I don't have. I don't have any idea what it is that tr- that triggered them or caused them to think that that was the right time to have a conversation with me about this. But they had a conversation mm. with me about how adults would find me attractive or something or want to do things with me, and they weren't specific. They mm. were very sort of mealy mouthed and vague. But they gave me a sense of other adults posed a danger to me and that I had mm-hmm. to be careful about except maybe it was that they knew that maybe they'd ask me and I told them that he'd given me a ride home. And they were like, oh, wait a minute. Why when you can walk mm-hmm. and you walk there? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what triggered them. But I remember being sitting there in the living room and listening to them tell me about the dangers of, of adults and being very, very scared, more scared than I was when I was actually in the car with the guy who propositioned me. Um, And I do think that at some point, I mean, I didn't stop working there, and I went there again. I don't think I got another ride home from him, but I remember him saying to me again at some point, like offering that to me, saying, oh, you know, it's fine. I just do it. Like, you wouldn't have to. And I remember thinking, no, but that does not sound like something I wanted. And I suppose the anecdote came came to my mind because in talking about Safe Chuck, in the mm-hmm. documentary Leaving ne- Neverland. We're talking, and Travis bringing up the difference between, so there's the, the the controversy, one of the controversies around the movie concerns Safechuck not getting the dates of the alleged abuse correct, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least according mm-hmm. to the records that we, public records we have of the construction of a particular train station. Mm-hmm. And Travis bringing up the fact that the, the, the difference between and abuse happening to you at 14 and 16 are, are pretty significant mm-hmm. uh, dates in terms of one's development mm-hmm. uh, as a young human being. And I feel like at 16, yeah, I remember being at least together enough to understand that that was not something that I desired. Like mm-hmm. 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 He certainly desired me, but that was not mutual, and that was not going to mm-hmm. happen. It, there's something there about I I, I don't I, I, right now like I'm I'm not sure what I was doing in saying this but there's something there about agency something there about mm-hmm. realizing something at that age that may might be the end of a kind of innocence and I know that Travis you want to talk about innocence mm-hmm. you likely want to talk about innocence is this sort of construct that is sort of has mm. only uh, passing relevance to. Uh uh, uh, uh uh what children are really capable of and 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 how and how how clearly or forcefully they own their own autonomy mm-hmm. but at that mm-hmm. but i but i do feel that at that moment that i passed some kind of important threshold mm-hmm. okay
0: yeah, I think, you know, probably, I mean, you're exactly right. Of course, in the innocence being a construction to a point. Um, mm-hmm. to, to me, I, I would like, and although I think it's analogous to what I think essentially what it means to become an adult. And I understand adult capaciously, kind of cross culturally, which is the circumscription of your own desire, mm-hmm. right? You, you getting to decide the terms on which you get to satisfy your desires or satisfy other people's desires. Mm. And this is kind of, this is what uh, manumission was. This was what enfranchisement was for women, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. getting a say in like what they want. Mm. Um, Slaves getting a say in, or no longer being slaves and actually Mm. being able to decide for themselves. Mm. So it's not as if, Children don't experience sexual pleasure. Right. Right. I, I mean, now I know th- there's a certain segment of the population, certainly child psychologists and and certainly amongst a, a type you receive a type of education that allows you to pretty easily acknowledge that, right? Mm. Like, of course, children experience sexual pleasure. Of course, that's part of the guilt. Like, I understand that we mm-hmm. get that into I get that uh, a, a certain segment of the population gets that intellectually. Mm. There is a segment of the population that doesn't get that at all but i'm not that's kind of low-hanging <laughs> there's that's kind of for me and the kind of conversations we have that's sort of low-hanging fruit
1: right
2: agreed mm-hmm. I,
0: I what what isn't low-hanging fruit is the a- actually coming to emotional like in your but bo- like terms with the fact that children want things that are sexual and mm-hmm. and full of pleasure, mm-hmm. and that they they themselves might be motivated to seek these things out mm-hmm. and attempt, as all children do, to manipulate circumstances to receive them. Mm-hmm. And 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 but that they are not at all capable of understanding the ramifications Absolutely. of that desire. Precisely. they they're, they're, that that is what different. Well, I mean, there are many things, right? I mean, cognitive development and all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's the only marker or only mm-hmm. milestone, mm-hmm. but it is a potent one, and I think Seth, your analogy is is fantastic. I mean, at sixteen, like you are participating in the satisfaction of your desire in a way that i don't think most, maybe not all but most fourteen year olds are probably not capable of
2: you're right you're right
1: that's a really powerful thing to think about, I think largely mm-hmm. what you're saying us, uh, travis is that they are you can't It's hard to, I think, largely because children do experience pleasure and possibly seek it out. That argument or that that reality is pushed to the side because we have to Mm. keep children innocent because Mm. having any nuanced thoughts about it brings Mm. up other things, Mm. brings up other um, sort of tentacles are out here in the world around ideas and our culpability Mm. in providing putting children in ads Mm -hmm. advertising to children in the 80s -hmm. where before it was you know it was off the table Mm -hmm. now it's you know advertise Mm -hmm. advertise advertise Mm -hmm. um and also really sort of fleshing out a child as a sexual being is Mm -hmm. a terrifying thing for the for the u.s populace and because Mm -hmm. then like i said then we'd have to be more culpable more understanding about the culture that we create that Mm -hmm. sexualizes kids
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of I think of those um those um child child. Well, I don't know what they call them, but those like the proms that they have for these children who are like mm-hmm. around ten and twelve. Like they get made up and they wear these frilly dresses and mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the whole. Mm-hmm. Na- I find that terrifying. I, I just do not understand. But I watch that. people love it. Like you sit oh, and you watch. My mom was watching <laughs> some television show where the parents oh. were all sitting around
1: these young girls. Shaking Ugh. it, and they were just clapping and and echoing them on. I'm like, Well, you're sending mixed messages? I'm sure you're telling her that she's a slut. She goes out and does it on her own, but within mm-hmm. the confines of that culture in that moment, mm-hmm. then there it's okay to do it, and that's odd mm-hmm. to me. It's always been odd mm-hmm. uh yeah, I think I mean so you know where it
0: where it starts to get kind of muddy is i I think a pretty natural extension of of coming to grips with that. Are some hallmarks of what are traditionally considered conservative culture, which mm-hmm. is okay. more mm-hmm. tightly circumscribing what is acceptable behavior mm-hmm. and appearance and comportment and language mm-hmm. from children. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, I think, I, you know, intuitively, there is, you know, an essential, a basic understanding of Of the variety, and and I don't want, it doesn't have to be overly sexually, the varieties of desire that you have as a small body that you are totally ill-equipped and trained to deal with, which is the whole thing that you're doing as a parent right is like sort of teaching, yeah he's right. like mm-hmm. sort of teaching people like how to manage the capaciousness of your desires which you know are pretty bottomless
2: so so <laughs> yeah no absolutely so, so I have a good I have a good I, have, I think I have a pretty good story about that um Fareed Matuk uh, again um mutual friend of Travis and I um mm-hmm. Travis and me um mm-hmm. uh <laughs> who once taught grammar school I think in Southern California mm-hmm. uh, I think he moved on to teach like at the boys academy when he moved to Texas and anyway um, uh, at the time I think he was a public school teacher that's right he was this way right. and he told me this story about being in class and he was I think teaching homeroom or something like that something like that. I don't I don't exactly remember um I probably got that wrong. But he had the children who were ages, I think like seven to 10, arrayed Mm -hmm. around him in a circle. And I think he was like, maybe reading something to them. And he said that one girl had like was clearly just lost in herself. She had two fingers inserted in herself, like under her skirt. And she was just like in her own world Mm -hmm. while these, you know, while sitting in this, this, this circle. And, Mm And I said, "Well, how did you handle that?" And he said, "Well, yeah. I waited till like the story was done, and I took her aside, and I said, and we had this very sort of bite-sized conversation about time and place for certain kinds of pleasure. Like you can, mm-hmm. he didn't want to make her feel like she had done something sinful or wrong. Mm-hmm. Just that that was perhaps story time was perhaps not the play was not." the place or time to do Mm -hmm. that and he Mm -hmm. tried and i think i think if i remember correctly he said he he also tried to explain the notions of um privacy and Mm -hmm. being able to do that with yourself while not necessarily having a bunch of people around you
1: did Mm -hmm. he speak with our parents do you know
2: i don't remember i mean he told me this story it must have been like back in like 2004 or something Mm -hmm. um I, he may have. I'm not sure. I'm already running down the street with the choices that he made. If he didn't speak
1: with them, then he mm. gave her a certain kind of autonomy, you know. Or mm. at least, do you
2: know what I mean? Mm. But with the,
1: the the parents may have gone in a totally different direction. Yes. With yes. you know, with the judgment and all of that. Yes. So I was yeah. curious. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: I mean, you know, I mean, he, he should have told the parents. Really? I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely want to know if my seven-year-old son was playing with himself on Mm. the carpet at school.
2: Mm. Mm. Like,
0: I would definitely, like, Mm. again, (laughs) well, I don't need to segue in that way. Yes, I would want to (laughs) know. Because I would want to address that. Now, you, you, I mean, in this small circle, right, I mean, there's probably some comfort level with how I would address that, because I'm not going to shame him about the pleasures that his body has for him. But as a society... I am on board with it being organized in such a way that you kinda have to hand that over to the parent for them to handle mm-hmm. whatever way they're gonna handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, short of something abusive yeah. and something that clearly I probably wouldn't approve of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, yes, but I definitely but, is it sh- so good.
2: but isn't shaming a child about his or her body and and and, and putting their desire or their acted out desire for pleasure Mm. Um, in the terms of it being sinful, which a lot of parents do. Isn't that a kind of abuse? Oh, it's an abuse, yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it's an abuse. That's such a hard question
0: mm. for me. Um, mm-hmm. Because because I feel like if you are going to call that abuse, which I, I hear that argument, and mm-hmm. I'm sympathetic mm-hmm. to it, but I I feel like... It becomes very difficult to demarcate any boundary around socialization, mm. because you know shame is a powerful motivator for a, so- a pro-social primate. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. shame is is how we shape our social behavior, mm-hmm. and and I think shame's okay. I think there's okay to be ashamed of certain things Mm. because we live in communities and because we are not actually fully autonomous Mm. um and and i but i do think but it's but at the same time i would go to figurative war against the people that would shame their children for pleasuring themselves Mm. do you understand what it's it's like yeah i'm i'm willing to make that a battleground because i believe that we should not shame our bodies in that way, and I think a number of harmful things emerge from it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I but I stop short of wanting to say that's abuse because for me that's sort of a category of you know like a legal boundary, like there needs to be you know some kind mm. of um, you know cultural circumscription of that.
1: So. I agree with you. Shaming can be useful, but I think it's 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 one of those things that's used so much and so frequently yeah. that one, how does one parse it? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Religious, yeah, yeah. you know, one who's religious, someone who isn't religious. All those kinds of things kind of come into play. Um but yeah. So well, let me so let me ask you guys a question.
0: So what where do you stand on you know, so clearly the abuse we, I think, we all basically agree that we think it probably did happen to these two men, uh, to these two boys, or these two yes. men when they were boys.
2: Shave Chuck and Robson, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're, I think we're. There's basically we have broad agreement around that. Around that, mm-hmm. at what point does autonomy enter the picture for the two of them? Like they were, you know they were adults when they denied that anything had happened mm-hmm. right, teenagers four, teenagers yeah, teen- and then adults, yeah. oh no no but i meant but but the denial went on i think into adulthood right i mean it definitely oh i thought you meant when they
1: started to defend no him. no not Sorry. When, yeah mm-hmm. not
0: when they were interviewed right that happened when they were kids mm-hmm. but but they became adults and and still persisted with the denials, maybe not in an affirmative way. I don't know if they were still being interviewed about it, but mm-hmm. but these are things that only have come out somewhat recently. And I mean, they were kids, and the you know in the eighties and nineties. So I mean, they you know they're they're adults, they're our age, basically. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe slightly younger. Mm-hmm. Um, no, probably our age. I think
2: they're um, your age. Yeah,
0: I'm a little yeah. older. So oh, yeah, okay. So but but I mean, same roughly you know age category. We're marketed in similar categories, <laughs> right? So no, we're, um, we're we're of
2: the, we the same. Uh, um, generation, yeah, yeah, yeah. So where where does
0: some agency come into the picture on that? Are should they be blamed? Like, where is their responsibility for continuing this? I mean, there's no way they didn't know by the time they were in their early 20s that what was done to them was mm-hmm. wrong, and that they were protecting a predator. Um, I, I'm not. To be fair, I'm not sure of the the timeline about when he died versus when you know they sort of came of age. But um, mm-hmm. what 2000? What did he die? Two thousand two 2009. 2009.
2: 2009. Okay. So mm-hmm. I want to I want to say that we can ask the same question, and th- this does not invalidate your question at all, Travis. But I, I rather no, I don't want to say it that way. I want to say it this way: the same thing happens for victims. Of some kind of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Mm. Uh, that in, in, lot, in cases that we've heard about recently, same thing with R. Kelly. How long did it take those women to come forward and to. Absolutely. And, and, after, and after some initial uh, dissembling, say, yes, actually, he did lock mm-hmm. people in the basement. And yes, uh-huh. actually, he did engage in a, in a programmatic uh uh control over mm. m- women in his uh retinue um, mm-hmm, in his mm-hmm. social circle. This is how I mean some of the same things I think happened with around the Harvey Weinstein case. that mm. people who had initially denied he did anything wrong years later said, well actually yes, he is he turns out he is a kind of a serial abuser. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I I think that it takes I think Social opprobrium is something that we have a very hard time, and I think you just said this a couple of minutes ago, Travis. That we have a really hard time negotiating or oh, pro-social yeah. primates, like having people around us approve of who we are, mm-hmm. is super important to us. Mm-hmm. And forcing ourselves outside of that and saying, "Well, actually, here is this bully, this awful person over here, who you all like and worship." Mm-hmm. And you want something from, and here's, and I'm going to basically say, well, I think he's an awful person. And how, how, right. how, how is everybody else in his, in his, I'm, I can't find the right word, in his orbit. That's mm-hmm. it.
0: Mm-hmm. Social circle
2: right? right. Gonna treat me now that I've done that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's, it, I, I think that people have a very, very difficult time um, facing up to that kind of ostracism. I completely agree with that. Absolutely. I think the complex. it's hard when we're, we're,
1: so what I was thinking about, Travis, about your question was, there's, for some there would need to be, they would like to establish an arbitrary date or time Mm -hmm. when you can tell the truth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and humans don't act that way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It goes against, you know, the human nature, I think. And I agree with what you're saying, Seth, around this, uh, the affirmation you get from people shapes the way you are in the world. Do you know or can shape the way you're in the world? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to tell the truth in a culture that really doesn't seem to want to know the truth about a particular person or a particular idea? That they've seen people who've come out or they, or they don't even know in some ways. Who knows what's in their, their brain about this was bad behavior. People were saying it was bad. Well, it felt good to me. Well, I felt odd. I felt all these things without therapy, without support in some way. I don't think there can be a date where someone, and I know that's not what you're saying, but I was thinking about. When they come to consciousness about it, if mm. I have to answer it, then I think mm-hmm. that's when they can tell their story. But it, mm-hmm. even then I'm thinking, how, mm-hmm. what what are the avenues? Because who owes who what? If you're making these accusations about mm-hmm. Michael Jackson and, and then now his estate, this guy did this. They're going to kind of come at you with that same argument. You should have said this before. You've lied mm-hmm. twice. You're a mm-hmm. liar. We don't trust you. We don't believe you. Mm-hmm. And, I believe the accusers I do and I think that they're being victimized revictimized so people mm. use that term a lot revictimized for even like you know having the nerve <laughs> to say it out loud that this is what happened mm-hmm. and so this is why I think the documentary is interesting because it, it's there's always been two sides to this. he did he mm-hmm. didn't you know rather than mm-hmm. maybe he did and here are the people he did it to and he didn't do it to you we'll call it mm-hmm. Colton he didn't do it to mm-hmm. you such and such
2: mm-hmm. so
1: Mm-hmm. I like the, like the counter-arguments. I like the arguments. I like all of it because it, help, it helps me think it through. But I don't the agency business is so hard in a culture that does
2: not respect the truth. It says it, but it really doesn't. I mean, just look at Michael Cohen. Just look like he mm. basically had to out himself <laughs> as a fixer for, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for Trump Trump. And it was only because he was all, I think, because he was already exiled. He was already exiled from Trump. And of course he was already he did. Exiled, of And he so. was already in legal exile, essentially. Mm-hmm. He said, he mm-hmm. said, fuck it. I have nothing else to lose. They're already ostracizing me. So I might as well tell the truth. Like, where was his autonomy 10 years ago when he was like threatening people on behalf of Trump saying what I'm going to do to you is fucking disgusting. Like,
0: uh, yeah. yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I think, Stephen, you had said something that I... And an, an example from the movie jumped out at me when you're saying, mm-hmm. that, you know, people don't want to know the truth. I just mm-hmm. uh, when the accusations had come out against him in that first trial, and some pretty damning mm-hmm. accusations with corroborating I guess, I guess, evi- I guess
2: Michael, yes, uh, Michael I
0: mean. Jackson. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with corroborating evidence from staff at the at Neverland mm-hmm. Ranch, yes. um, and he, I guess he was getting an NAACP award or something like that, and they yeah. showed mm-hmm. the footage of that. <laughs> Him coming out in the, the raucous standing yes. ovation he received, <sighs> almost like almost as a performance right. of a rejection of right. the accusations. I mean, these almost. were people, yes, it yeah, was. I, okay. Yes, I mean, so <laughs> a perform, it, yes. I mean, I mean, this this was absolutely a willful, willful mm-hmm. denial by a bunch of powerful adults, mm-hmm. powerful. To Mm -hmm. to deal with the seriousness of the accusations Mm -hmm. as a group, as Mm -hmm. you know. And so I I do think that I do I do think culturally we have started to venture into dangerous territory around how we talk about victimhood Mm -hmm. in in on our political side of the aisle. I think the right has done it. Uh, all the time i mean they have no problem claiming victimhood they always put the label on us but they right. they regularly claim victimhood yeah, yeah. unapologetically yeah. and oh, yeah. so and 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 again we could take that apart but it's very it's a little too easy right, right. so I uh, but i mean for for us i do feel like we have started to play with agency and victimhood in a precarious and dangerous way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, I, and I would i will put my flag in the ground here. I, mm-hmm. I think that both Dobson and Safe Chuck as adults share responsibility with the with the mystification around Michael Jackson and his story. Not Agreed. as children. I they agree. were victims as children. What mm-hmm. was done to them was wrong. At how they have been shaped as adults, that has to be taken into account. But at some point, we—I'm willing to say, like, no. If you are—if you are possessed of all of your faculties as an adult, mm. and you can move through the world and vote and do all this other kind of stuff, you—it is your responsibility to own what you have claimed as an adult and what you have abetted as an adult. And and I did not see any of that in the documentary. They were very consistently in their own narratives and in how they were represented mm-hmm. still as um victims of the of what happened to them as children. What would you have needed to hear hmm. from uh, both James and um and William? I am so, I'm sorry that I ever even as a child I'm sorry that I ever participated in the lie that allowed Michael Jackson to continue to abuse other children. Some culpability. Yes. And awareness of it. Yeah. Like, you you need to claim, I mean, again, 14, 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Seven, I mean, okay, come on. we got to have, I mean, for me, like, that starts to venture into, like, that just doesn't even make sense. You're not, the difference Mm -hmm. from a seven-year-old to an adult is enough that you're nearly a stranger to yourself at that point. But... But in your mid-teens, I don't know. I I I want to. I want there to be. I would want some more culpability and responsibility for that piece of it.
2: I also think that that culpability and responsibility is precisely what we look for from people who have perpetrated these crimes, right? I mean, this right. is what mm-hmm. this is yeah. precisely mm-hmm. what we want to bring them back into the. We need to hear from them in order to bring them back into the human fold, and I really mm-hmm. think that this is also a, 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 an integral part of what what and i think we've talked about this months ago about what constitutes a real apology i think a real yeah. apology is made up of recognition that one did harm to someone else right and an accepting of the blame accepting of the of the of the responsibility for causing that harm Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and 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 perhaps also uh articulating some sense of regret around that mm-hmm. that's reasonable I think, yeah that's i reasonable. think that i think that's what we want i think essentially what we're saying is we need to know that you see yourself Mm-hmm. That you have caused harm. Yeah, yes. mm-hmm. well said. Well mm-hmm. said.
0: See yourself. I think that's, see yourself as an, yeah, that's, it's well said. I, I agree with that characterization.
2: But, but, and, but that's precisely what's missing in Michael, right? That he, that, like, sure. uh, that he yeah. never yeah. really History. saw himself. Yeah. Right. One thing I want to say
1: beforehand and something that Travis said about the dangerous territory we're in because of how we talk about victims mm-hmm. and agency, I think it's a great time. I think it's a great time to break okay. it open and really, really get at it, you know, mm-hmm. and go at it. Because mm-hmm. this is, this is how, I, th- I think this is how we can progress as a society, how we can grow as people. If we're mm-hmm. taking on these really, really hard things, rather than there's an incident, something happens, there's some talking heads, you know, there's some folks on podcasts, mm-hmm. and then we just let it go rest. No, mm-hmm. these are very important things for us to consider and mm-hmm. to see where we have agency to look at, you know. Yeah. Yeah, certainly an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's
2: true. I agree. I mean, I like I like what you said. You said it a couple of times now, Stephen. That this is this is the work, and we just need to do the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you had asked this question, by the way, a couple podcasts ago, Travis, and I flubbed the answer, and I kind of want to give it a stab again. Mm-hmm. Um, you had asked what it was that existed in our in the waters I swim in, the the art scene. What what kind of myths exist that mm-hmm. uh, allow that? Proliferate mm. sort of uh, uns- in ways that are unspoken, mm-hmm. and the the core that I was trying to get at was that people of color or members of the LGBT community and women artists, if they make work in my neck of the woods, if they make work, if they mm-hmm. make an exhibition, a show that. And this is the tacit, uh, unspoken rule that we should, in some ways, always celebrate that just the making, Mm -hmm. just the the question, right? Mm, Terrifying, right? (laughs) But but they deserve some sort of opprobrium. They deserve some sort of notice. Mm -hmm. They deserve some sort of praise simply for making that work coming from that subject position. Mm -hmm. And I want to say. This is part of the pushback, right? Uh, against this, this it, the, part of the critique of this film comes from the same place that because Michael Jackson is a, is a man of color, because he triumphed in a world that was uh, just m- where many of the social forces were arrayed against him making it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. he deserves to be in this sort of mental, social preserve, right? Mm-hmm. Where his memory is, is, is has become this monument that, that should, just should never be defaced. And mm-hmm. I always want to say, no, I don't care. I don't mm-hmm. care what he overcame. And he overcame a lot, but I don't care. We mm-hmm. need to tear the monument down. No, absolutely.
1: I think the issue is that because there's homophobia and because there's still racism, because of all these right. things, that these right. issues get muddled and right. entangled, right? right? Right. You know, and so fair treatment for everyone or not fair treatment for everyone, <laughs> you
2: right. know? Absolutely. So that's how I think
1: the issue is, yeah. Right. Or at least one of the right. issues um, that make those issues. So I'm like, no, it's a terrible novel. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if right. you're a woman. I don't care if you're a white man. It's a terrible right. novel.
2: Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You know? And we should be able to say that okay all right and and
0: on that uplifting note um, we will uh we will we'll close this conversation out and and we'll pick it back up uh next time with uh, we'll just i mean there's obviously plenty of directions to go with with michael so uh, i think we can continue that conversation next week
2: okay that sounds good okay i'll talk to you guys soon all right take care take care